Okay, hi and welcome to another special edition Epic Fitness Summit uh, We Do Science Guru Performance Podcast. Today I have um, a guy from San Francisco, I believe, Alberto Nunez. Is that did I say that right, Alberto? No, you you got it just right, and I'm not used to that. So thank oh, you. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Well, I well I lived in um, in the states for ten years in in um, in New Mexico actually mostly a bit oh. in Texas, bit in bit in Colorado, but uh, yeah, I spent ten years of my life in in New Mexico. I'd be ashamed if I didn't at least get some of that right. People butcher my first name, of course, which is a French name, uh, but I won't I won't I won't I won't even get you to do that. So listen, mate, um, it's great to have you on. Um, I know you. Uh, like most guests on this podcast, you're from um, another part of, of the world. Obviously, you're in the States. You're in San Francisco. Um, you will, of course, be coming over to the UK next year in May uh, to speak at the Epic Fitness Summit. And uh, a couple of your uh, co-presenters, like Dr. Spencer Nadolsky and uh, Menno uh, Henselmans and, and uh, uh, Brad Schoenfeld and all that lot, are going to be there as well who have who either have already been on this podcast or will shortly be um so just by way of introduction because i know we're going to have a chat now about the topics that you're going to be presenting next year but i i want to i want to have an opportunity to dig into your brain because i i love this stuff so um the sort of the title that that we've got here is strategic nutrition for upcoming bodybuilding champions and if we just set the stage um as as to who you are, because of course I got all, I got all kinds of guests. A lot of them are, you know, professors, researchers, uh, practitioner experts, that sort of thing. Um, and I know you're I know you're a coach. Uh, I know you've got lots of experience and, and professional qualifications and so on in exercise uh, and fitness and so on. But I, I I was really excited to talk to you because you're one of these guys that that actually works um, at the grassroots level with these guys. Um, in in that grey murky area that is bodybuilding, and and you uh, represent uh, perhaps the rarer breed of coaches that actually pays attention to, to science and so on. So, to, just tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Well, like uh, like we discussed before going on there, I think uh, you know part of the reason that I I like to think I'm decently effective as as a uh, bodybuilding coach these days is because. I wasn't quite blessed um, the way a lot of those other guys I compete with are, you know. So I was constantly looking for ways to to get better and and become more efficient at, at what I do. And uh, luckily for me, I think I started bodybuilding right around the time where you could say the the bodybuilding, in particular the natural bodybuilding. Uh, Renaissance period was was going on. We were looking more into science for the first time ever because in the past it wasn't quite that way, which is quite odd when you consider what bodybuilding really is. Mm. You know, we're just kind of making up things as we go along. So, you know, that was my intro, and I'm very thankful for that upbringing because my first uh, contacts, you could say, were guys like you know uh, Lane Norton, uh, the the Doctor Joes. Uh, you know those type of types of people. So I never really was totally um, uh, misinformed or had to you know you know spin my wheels for for much too long because of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got off on on the right foot, or at least better better than most. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm really glad that now at this point I'm actually, you know, contributing. And I like to think in a similar manner. And uh, to tell you the truth, it, it's quite scary um, what a lot of these kids nowadays, what the, their, their, their first contacts can, you know, be a guy like 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 Alan, like Eric Helms, you know, mm. uh, th those sorts of people. So uh, it's it's quite a different scene compared to how I first started when I first started bodybuilding. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that there's things like the Epic Fitness Summit going on. That it's like, it's like, wow, we've come a long way. And it's, it's been kind of cool to grow along with it. And yeah. exciting to just think about where we will be in, a, in another decade or so. Yeah, I, so. Think, I think it's interesting how, I mean, certainly I'm of a slightly different um, age group. I'm in my 40s now. And I, I mean, I was never a bodybuilder or whatever. I, as I was saying offline, I get, I, 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 like many of us, uh, I kind of fancied myself as an athlete, in my case a rugby player, but I was never really that good. Like I achieved a fair amount, but I was never really that good. So I guess I, I sort of drifted more into, uh, like in my case, I'm a sports scientist or a sports nutritionist in particular, um, and I think I'm just better at helping people. Um, than I am actually being an athlete. But, of course, there's many areas here. And um, bodybuilding, like triathlon, are two huge growth areas and have been. I mean, bodybuilding's been popular for a long time. But, of course, you know, there's been various types of bodybuilding. And I think when people think of bodybuilders, they tend to think of steroids and, you know. But, of course, there is this this really quite massive growth of the natural um, bodybuilding and uh, sort of industry, if you like. And I think that it, you know, uh, I think it's important that we differentiate that first because it's not just, you know, massive blokes we are, um, or massive guys, I'm using an, an Englishism there, bloke. Uh, but basically, um, I think we could encompass into this, not just I guess the traditional idea of a bodybuilder, but also you've got physique athletes, bikini athletes, um, fitness models, all those kinds of things. And and I, I would, I mean, right or wrongly, I would kind of put them into a more similar bracket because we still need to have um, a more scientific, um, evidence-based approach to their fitness and nutrition strategies to achieve goals, whereby, yes, genetics and so on plays a role, but of course... You know, we're not using drugs. We're not using stuff that that cheats a lot of these things. So you really do have to um, get some of this stuff right if you want to achieve either looking good naked or actually maybe getting a medal at, at whatever level that you want to get into. I mean, do you? I mean, do you feel, particularly as a coach, do you feel that we're still at that point where it's it? You know, it. it I, I guess the the evidence based, the science based side of this is is still very much in the minority. You know, yes, to to, to some degree, at least um, when just when I think about how how much better we, we could be doing, it's definitely not uh, you know mainstream information yet, but. You know, again, if, if I go back to when I first started competing until now, like just a really simple concept, the whole like don't cut water when you're going to get up on stage. It's not going to make you look any better. If you connect the dots, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think five, six years ago, I'd say about 95% of the guys backstage were doing that. 
Whereas now, like you're really in the minority if you're that person cutting water. So we've made some progress, and I think it's it's um, I think more so within that younger crowd that you know they go to the internet to find um, most of their information these days, and eventually they stumble upon some of the more um, contemporary approaches to um, body composition manipulation. Um, but it's, I guess, my biggest concern, especially in this country, where obesity is is, uh, is quite it's becoming quite a problem. Oh, we're catching up. It, we're catching up. I can tell you, yeah. That's what they tell me. So yeah. I need to see that because yeah. uh, oh, you've seen a Walmart around yeah, here, but absolutely. Uh, yeah. But it, you know, I, I I really I want that information in, in at some point at some point within my lifetime to just be something that uh, you know the mainstream person can you know. Um, at least has a basic grasp on when it comes to a lot of the things that we're doing to, again, manipulate our body composition, but of course to not such an extreme degree, but of course, you know, the same basic principles would apply to them. So uh, we're not quite there yet, but I'm hoping, especially at the rate that it's growing today, maybe in a decade from now, that, that won't be the case. Yeah. I mean, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the paper by uh, Eric Helms, Alan Aragon, Peter Flitchen, you know the uh, the ISSN paper they produced, which which I've had them on, uh, or at least I had Eric Helms and Alan Aragon together to talk about their evidence-based recommendations for natural bodybuilding contest preparation, uh, nutrition and supplementation. And I do recommend the you know the, the the listeners if they haven't already check that out. I know not everyone's into bodybuilding, but if you're talking about manipulating body composition and performance isn't necessarily your primary goal, but maybe aesthetics is this stuff's really really relevant um and of course that's that's available um uh free because it's an open access journal at the journal of the international society of sports nutrition but you know one thing that really struck me about this this paper is there's only a few things in there that really has any evidence so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing i mean i've i i work more with strength and power athletes but i do work with some bodybuilders and so on and and i do find myself spending more time trying to unravel the myths um and 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 getting them not to do the things that they don't need to be doing in order to still achieve the goals and i guess one thing that that does crop up in this is um, obviously, there's been a lot of trial and error by bodybuilders over, over time. Um, there's certainly um, you've got your whole bro science thing, you know. Mm. Um, some of that, of course, comes from people who um, are on steroids. So, of course, whatever they do is going to work. So it's kind of misleading, um, and of course, that that doesn't really need to be discussed here. But um, there's 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 always a huge amount of information out there and of course a lot of these people are maybe distracted by the marketing and the need to take huge amounts of pills potions there's various stacks you know which of course is just a uh, a mimic of uh drug stacks steroid stacks and various other things but um because i want to plow into a few of these areas with you and 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 some of your obvious experience in this area both personally and as a coach but I mean what what do you think what I mean what's the main the main sort of mess the main the main confusion the, the main uh, sort of information pollution uh, that you find that confronts these people who who are wanting to become a bodybuilder and a serious one at that 
Okay. Um, and, you know, this kind of uh, really, really, um, it takes us to what I'm going to be presenting. Yeah. And a lot of that is going to uh, focus around planning, uh, long-term planning. And then, you know, you set up your, your long-term goals. And then, obviously, you divide them into little landmarks along the way. Um, and I think, to me, that's probably, um, especially nowadays, it, again, uh, physique, um, I will call them sports. Physique sports are, are definitely growing. Yeah, you know, especially sure, sure, sure. classes. Um, you know, we have other options. So if you don't want to look like a bodybuilder, you can be a men's physique uh, competitor and, and such. So there's a class for everyone, it seems like. Um, and I think the biggest issue is that, you know, a lot of folks get their gym membership and within two to three months, they're like, you know what, I think I'm going to do a competition. And um, I think they really... Um, they really tend to skip over just how long of a process it can be if you want to get it right. Um, so in my opinion, I think it's very important for any physique athlete to just more so work with the way most athletes do. I think a lot of other sports have already been doing this. Uh, is just have a one-year timeline, you know, kind of breaking that up into certain segments. Like this is going to be my growing phase. Uh, and then along the way, there's these little tightening phases, uh, and then um, perhaps um, a, a, a long enough diet that again is going a diet that's uh, that's long enough that's going to be that's going to give you enough time to meet that competition deadline. Uh, so that's probably to me, and especially, yeah, you know, I tend to overthink things. So for me, I think it took me four or five years to finally decide. Okay, I'm I'm going to press the button on and and start diet and, and make it onto that stage finally. Mm. And I think a lot of folks is, are a little bit too quick to jump and say, hey, you know, hey, there's a show in my town uh, three months from now. Let's uh, let's do this. Um, so I think the biggest thing is planning, planning uh, around a sensible timeline, and then of course uh, having a plan that makes sense yeah yeah so i get so so yeah i mean obviously planning short-term medium-term long-term goals and periodization obviously is is something that needs to be considered and of course these are things that i mean a, a typical i mean i've certainly had people come into my office and go hey you know i've i i fancy uh doing a physique competition or i want to get into bodybuilding and Obviously, the inevitable question of is uh, uh, is of, of of time, and usually their expectations are are seriously unrealistic, aren't they? So I guess that's where I guess a lot of problems can occur for people is is you know is is not necessarily establishing the right expectations of what they can achieve and when they can achieve it, and that's of course why it's important that they work with a coach like yourself uh, to help them. Um, established that and we discussed this in a previous podcast on metabolic adaptation uh, both both positive and negative aspects with Lane Norton and Abby Smith-Ryan actually it's an area that I do some research in and um, uh, we're just about to publish some stuff on this which which is interesting is the simple fact that metabolism um, does require some time uh, mm -hmm. particularly if you're going into things like a negative energy deficit and, and so on. And this constant increase and decrease of calories and energy and so on is something that can be quite stressful to the body, um, 
which often isn't even considered um, by some of these sort of one-size-fits-all plans that I've seen given by some coaches. Uh, and I'm talking more nutrition because that's my area. Uh, uh, but would I mean you've obviously made it clear that planning is incredibly important. But uh, I mean, what what are the what are the most critical components of that planning? And, and here's the thing, you know, we we brought up the 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 beginner that maybe has you know expectations that you know it probably should be readjusted to some degree, you know. Uh, but even with with really advanced bodybuilders, you kind of run into the same thing, you know. Um, and this kind of goes back to performance, though, but not really because it's a cosmetic sport. But, you know, the best athletes in the world uh, aren't in peak physical shape year-round. Mm. You know, um, if, I'm pretty sure if we go through Usain Bolt's 100-meter uh, uh, times during an Olympic year, I'm pretty sure that earlier that year he's running a bit slower and he kind of peaks out at a certain time of the year. Yeah. Um, so the same thing can be said for advanced guys where they want to be in that peak physical shape year-round where it's like, no, 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 dude, you can't be running the equivalent of, of sub 9.800 meter yard dashes year-round or you're eventually going to break. As you mentioned, it's just a, it's a pretty stressful process to you know, get into that kind of shape. Um, so again, the recovery time, like putting that into a plan, I think is is a a big big part of creating that long term planning. Is you need to have those recovery blocks, especially after you get into your peak physical shape. Uh, and I mean that's very very it's 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 really overlooked. And and the the differences between person to person. You know, some guys in in two weeks they're they're okay now. They're no longer. Uh, you know, they're no longer having psychological issues. They're progressing to some degree. Uh, they're they're over it, you could say. And then there's other folks. That, to tell you the truth, it might take the length of the diet for them to to to, to fully get better. And maybe for them, competing uh, every year is, is not in the cards, or maybe even every other year is not in the cards. So um, you see, so, that's that's interesting what you just say there because. I think I think people when they think of this they start to assume uh yeah you know um within 3 to 6 months I'm going to get myself in shape and then I'm just going to get into a whole bunch of competitions they're not necessarily thinking that this could take 1 2 3 years before you're even ready to mm -hmm. get on stage it's kind of like thinking of this like how we approach working with olympians or you know whatever you know the olympics occur you know, many years apart, and there's various phases that need that we need to go through. And I guess with with people that are attempting to become bodybuilders, I guess that one of the issues I'm sure you confront is the people trying to to get there as fast as possible, which is probably the worst thing that they could achieve. Yeah, yeah, rushing any part of the process, whether it be the fat loss, the gaining, or or the recovery phase. Uh, yeah, I mean that's where a lot of things typically go wrong, you know. So when you so when you take on a a client, okay, because I know as we mentioned, you're a coach and you're part of a very successful coaching team, which is um, is it is it three team three D muscle journey? Is that what it's called? Correct. Correct. Yeah, which Eric Helms, who's been on here, is part of. So um, presumably, one of the first things you've got to do is take on a client and and actually discuss that journey. Um, and the preparation stages. Out of 
out of that experience, I mean, do you have a high level of people who then, who then because they weren't realistic in the first place, they, they, they drop out? Do you have a, a, is there a highly sort of selective process involved? I'm kind of intrigued to know how that works. You know, initially that, that, that was the case. You know, we were getting, uh, we were basically inheriting a lot of these situations mm. when we take someone on for a contest prep. Um, and, you know, eventually after you have a, a, enough of those situations come up where, you know, person for whatever reason, you know, we had to cut that prep short, um, you know, we started to kind of go about uh, developing new ways to minimize this. So, you know, when someone does inquire about coaching, we definitely look at the situation and, and you know, give them our honest feedback. And I would say that about over 80% of the people who do inquire, you know, we, we actually suggest that, hey, let's go back and let's redo a lot of these other stages and put you in a much better situation uh, for starting what is going to be a very extreme fat loss diet in most cases. Sure. Um, so, and again, so what well, are the what are the what are the what are the main criteria then? You think that I mean, what's the usual scenario that's presented to you by these people um, where you're like, hang on, hang on, we need to we need to go back a few paces. What what's the what's the most common area there? Ooh, that's 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 a loaded one. Um, <laughs> I think um, it, with. Uh, Especially, I think the first one that comes to mind, and this just has to do probably with, with just how this work week has been, mm. has been the fact that, um, um, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, the powerful tool that uh, Instagram and all, all these different um, avenues of social media out yeah, there. the visual, uh, highly visual, yes. You know, it, it, it just, sometimes it, it over, oversimplifies the task. So I'll, I'll get um, maybe someone who... You know, four months ago, let's just say, often a a um, a, um, a, a female, because I mean, to tell you the truth, they're probably, and this probably has to do with me reading a lot of Gene Kilborn back in the day, but you know, they're really um, loaded when it comes, uh, like social media really seems to pick on that gender specifically, right? And you know, they see these uh, figure gals, these bikini gals, you know, just having a great time in this awesome sensational shape and you know they, they, they look at that and they're like wow um, I want to do that that looks awesome that looks fantastic and you know the truth is first of all that person probably doesn't look like that year-round and it's quite an invasive process it isn't always wonderful um, so that that's a big one is, is the fact that someone maybe didn't even have more than three to four months under their belt of just just training time, just yeah. moving time. In some cases, they were never even an athlete at any point in their life. Yeah. And, and here they are wanting to take on this very extreme fat loss phase. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's a very common one, is is someone who just doesn't have enough, uh, enough training time. Um, and then the other one, and this tends to be, uh, since we picked on the female gender, we'll pick on the male gender, uh, most of our guys tend to come in, uh, or random applicants, uh, a bit just overweight. They don't really understand that, um, you know, having abs in the case of most men, um, I mean, that, that means you probably still have to lose 20, 30 pounds to look appropriate on stage. Yeah, it's, 
It's funny you should say, uh, just to pick on your first point there, that I frequently um, meet um, personal trainers and coaches um, and they look nothing like their pictures they have on Twitter or on their websites. And of course, I, I guess that's the first thing is, is they would have, one is led to believe that you're supposed to look like this all year round. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, that in itself induces a great deal of, um, I guess, mis- well, it's difficult how to say this. It certainly induces um, an unrealistic expectation out of the client as to what they should be looking like. But also, it, it doesn't represent truly how one really should go about this. Because, of course, if we're, and understandably, if you've achieved great shape, you want to show that shape off. But you're not showing the stages of that shape, like you say. And I know some people argue you want to stay in damn good shape all year round. And I know some people like to gain a ton of weight just so they can gain the muscle mass and so on. Of course, you know, horses for courses, different genetics, different things. And also some people just go around this the right way and some people go around this the wrong way. Um, but one thing is is absolutely clear is that people's expectations as you say are are pretty wrong and of course when you hit them with look it might take you two three years before you can get to that stage is is probably going to turn a bunch of people off but of course we've all got this desire to to get things now today tomorrow you know that whole pill culture which of course is what's so appealing i guess for some people about taking steroids and all that all that other stuff um so um so aside from that um, I mean, what, what are the what are the biggest problem areas then that you see with these people um, actually achieving their goals? Problem areas um, in regards to um, well, you know, in the journey towards so they you know they they're, they're going to work with a coach uh, and. You know, you've done your you've done your bit in um, in explaining to them it's going to take longer. You've got to you've got to look at what they're doing and you know tidy up their lifestyle and get them to train properly and all that stuff. But there's still going to be scenarios that prevent them from achieving their goals, and, and one or two spring to mind. But I'm in, I'm interested to know what what in your experience those main problem areas are. And I'm saying that from the perspective of you know, the listeners are PTs and coaches and so on themselves. And, and I guess it's important that, that we all try and focus on, on, on the right things when working with these types of people. So I think uh, the, 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 the first thing is definitely focusing too much on the long term. So if someone comes to me and I tell them that, you know what, um, this might be a two-year process to to finally get you there. I think they really tend to overly focus on the fact that it's a two-year process, you know. Um, so overly focus on the long-term goals and not so much on those little milestones that, you know, I might have laid out for them along the way. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is those short-term impulses. that, that uh, They're not really goals. They kind of sidetrack you. They're, they're, they're big distractions. Um, so, for example, maybe a young man comes to me that's a bit too under-muscled. He's probably, I look back at his training, and out of the three years he's been training, um, 
will say that 75% of it has been spent dieting. So he hasn't really given himself much time to grow. Um, he has a vacation coming up of some sort or, or summer's coming up. That's a big one. And, you know, he wants to sidetrack from our long-term plan because, you know, he, he wants to be lean uh, for this upcoming summer. So, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's the long-term goal that can be too distracting sometimes. And then these short-term impulses that have nothing to do with what it is that you truly want. Sure. So uh, just before we started recording this podcast, uh, we were just quickly discussing the title of your presentation at the Epic Summit, which is Strategic Nutrition for Upcoming Bodybuilding Champions. Do you want to just quickly... I mean, you you had mentioned that that's kind of like a really broad sort mm-hmm. of topic area, which um, which I agree. I mean, do you want to just elaborate on why you said that? Yeah, so it's 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 definitely you know it's going to center around nutrition quite a bit, obviously, but we're definitely going to go over training. Um, I want to show uh, I want to go over a lot of different kind of timelines like you know for a beginner bodybuilder uh, a middle-of-the-road guy a very advanced bodybuilder and you know kind of take every walk everyone through what the whole process looks like you know from just getting off a an advanced bodybuilder just getting off the stage and going through that recovery period and and to some degree a deconditioning deconditioning period because he's not going to be again in full full um, in, in, in max Apologies for the dogs in in uh, <laughs> in in peak physical shape year round, and then you know take them through that process where you know we're getting better. We're not exactly f- peak physical shape, but we're charging up for that next charge. And then you know maybe taking someone through a completely novice guy that's going to do it right. Yeah. But I think more often the case is you know I'm typically dealing with a lot of intermediates, uh, and you know taking them through a common timeline of uh, uh, just how that process looks like. And again, even if you're not into bodybuilding, I think you can look at those timelines and look at how, I guess you could say, we map out a year, two years, three years in some cases, and apply that to, to, you know, just a more commonly seen scenario, just your typical fitness club, you know, where, um, yeah, there's a goal weight, and then I think uh, there is going to be a period afterwards where, um, you know, maybe that goal weight is is not manageable for the person, sure. and we kind of have to hover just a little bit away from it. So even with the common gym goer who lost fifty pounds, you can't expect him to be fifty pounds year round, and you kind of have to be okay with that. Um, but also at the same time, not letting yourself get, I guess, uh, too far out of this shape. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it's. There's, it's a multi-dimensional topic, but again, the, the, what inspired me to really go over this is the fact that I think one of the things that have made um, have made me a probably a more successful bodybuilder than I should be on paper is the fact that I know exactly where I'm going to be one year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Uh, I have all of that mapped out, and it's something that other sports have been doing forever mm. and again it's it's just really ironic that bodybuilding a sport that depends on science so much has completely just hey there's a show in 16 weeks let's do this yeah uh, i just don't yeah. think that's the best approach yeah and that's why i wanted to chat to you about this because you know i've got plenty of sort of nutritional and exercise physiology rocket scientists on this podcast 
And all too often, we focus on the science. And, you know, the, I mean, this podcast is called We Do Science. So I'm obviously, I'm, I'm well into the science. I love it. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I remember watching a very interesting video. Uh, no, it wasn't a video. It was actually a lecture by Eric Helms. Uh, he came to London um, and gave a very interesting lecture. And uh, one of the things that he said, which was kind of a, I guess he's been in New Zealand so long, he's starting to pick up English phrases. Uh, but one of which was, uh, you know, this concept of not getting the cart before the horse. And, you know, there's a lot of science that hasn't been in bodybuilding. Um, and of course, we're now learning a lot of stuff. And of course, and also he said, you know, some of the stuff that we consider bro science now was actually science at one point. So I think this whole Sometimes people go a bit too far into slamming bro science, but of course at some point it was a good idea that had some good rationale. But we're talking about something that goes beyond science as we know it because I think it's fair to say, and people definitely get that from this podcast, is whilst whilst we certainly seem to know a lot and, and a lot of the guests can talk rocket science and sound like they know a lot, actually there's so much we don't know. Um, and... One thing is for sure is when you put this into the context of the real world, particularly something like bodybuilding where you've got to deal with real life stress. Um, uh, you've got to deal with psychological factors like you mentioned right at the, right at the beginning. You, you made a comment about psychological issues and so on. These are all things that require some help and support, which of course can affect your outcomes. And having unrealistic goals, having unrealistic times timings you know wanting to achieve this in three months uh can be a very damaging process and of course you you know you've heard other people like lane norton and various others talking about the potential damaging consequences of trying to diet too fast or trying to um cheat or you know uh and of course that that is where these conversations and 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 you know the information you're going to be presenting and combining that with the science and so on is important because of course it's 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 important we understand our scope of practice and i say that as nutritionist uh strength and conditioning coach and so on i mean i think it's not just about the science behind bodybuilding you need to understand this stuff uh and of course i mean this is a good question for you i guess which is since you're a coach first and foremost uh, but since you've also competed and been on stage and so on, how important is it, you feel, that to be a truly effective coach for bodybuilding, and maybe we could put this as a nut nutritional advisor as well for, for bodybuilding, is it to have actually competed? Oh, I think it's, it's very important. Yeah. Um, there's just certain psychological things you deal with, I think, more than the actual physical at a certain point that you need to be able to relate to when it does happen. Um, I think um, that's, and that's probably the most overlooked part of, of, uh, of the whole process of, of getting on stage and getting to these really extreme levels of body fat. So, and this is, this, is, uh, this is hilarious, but my expectations when I first started working with competitive athletes, competitive bodybuilders, um, I worked with general population prior to that and in my opinion competitive bodybuilders never cheated on their diets never and I'm like I cannot wait 
to finally work with a population that exactly what I tell them to do is going to get done. And that's the furthest thing from the case. I'd say that realistically about 99% of bodybuilders at some point crack on their diet. I do it. I do it all the time. I can probably, I can't count them on both my hands how many times I cheated on my last diet. And, you know, it's, 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 it's just the norm. And that 1% that doesn't cheat, they just haven't told me. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, it's, it's, for, for the lack of a better term, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, just a mind F-bomb, basically. I don't yeah. know if I can say Yeah, but well, that's, and yeah. it's 24 7 for a few weeks. And unless you've really been there, yeah. it's really hard to have empathy for that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I've taken, I mean, I've never done a bodybuilding competition. So I, I've, I've, I've helped um, other people. But ultimately, um, it's an area that I think, and I, I, I mean, I've mentioned the scope of practice already. I think it's important that people understand if you're not really prepared, to work with someone and it's not you know just because you read some science about bodybuilding and you've got your knowledge and strength and conditioning does it mean that you're someone who's able to coach these people because of the reasons that you've mentioned it's a very very specific niche area mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that that maybe take advantage of that well it's not maybe they do you hear you hear lots of people now saying oh i give it you know i'm a coach i'm an advisor i'm a i'm a whatever to physique athletes and bodybuilders and of course they end up screwing people up and uh because they're just messing with people and they don't really know what they're doing and i think i think if if there's one take-home message from this podcast with you and you know people folks can come listen to you present properly about this stuff at the epic summit is you know is this business of it's a complex area um bodybuilders physique athletes are a very unique species as are all athletes of course but you really need to do your homework and part of that homework you know is i mean we call it doing a needs analysis in in my field uh and it's the same same for you guys and and it it's an area that clearly you need to have some experience i i guess there's going to be some coaches out there that maybe coach who've never competed and who are brilliant but they're going to be rare i would imagine right. uh, so just finally um uh since we talked about this stuff and um you know huge take-home message again is is uh preparation um you know prior preparation prevents piss poor performance is the uh is, is a great analogy i've heard uh so um, but for, for for people who are thinking, okay, I I know this is not this is not something I want to do on my own, either as a practitioner or as someone who themselves wants to be a physique athlete, or some people may want to cut their teeth and become a physique athlete with a view to also becoming a coach after the experience. Maybe maybe they want to do that. What what are the what are the key things you think they should be looking for in a coach? You know, I think, uh, as we mentioned before, I think a coach that has a firm grasp on all the different dimensions, you know, definitely on, you know, the the, the latest. You don't want to hire a, a dinosaur, for the lack of a better term. And, and then also one who has a an extensive um, list of many different kinds of, of, of uh, clients and situations that he's or, or she has worked with at some point. Um, I think, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why... Um, we 
don't have testimonials on our side, and, and if we do, they're very, very old, it's because it's very easy to show, you know, your genetic freak of an athlete that could have gone to any coach and would have made them look brilliant. Um, and I think what makes us unique is that at this point, we worked with a wide variety of athletes, uh, from the really blessed to the not so blessed, uh, to the physically able, to the not so physically able, a lot of different kinds of situations. And I think before, um, before picking a coach, think what you should really inquire about is, uh, for sure, you know, their their you know get a grasp on on what their methods are, or you know at least their mission statement when it comes to their approach, um, and then ask them about you know just have you worked with anyone like me, you know. Um, these, this is what I'm good at, these are my deficiencies, and hopefully you know them by then, uh, or maybe they can even help you pick up on them. Yeah. Um, um, so I, th I think the biggest thing is just someone who's seen a lot of it and is currently and constantly keeping updated with uh, the, the, the newest stuff, which is very exciting nowadays because it's, it's, it's almost coming out at a rate that it makes it hard to keep up with sometimes, but yeah. it's better than we were, you know, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, that's those are the main points that you should focus on when looking around for some guidance. Yeah. No. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, look, we're I mean we're at the end of this uh, podcast. We ended up talking a lot longer um, than I had anticipated. So this has been awesome. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, and the most amazing thing, and you may not get this because you probably haven't heard all of my podcasts, but. Um, uh, I've hardly mentioned the word context. I always mention context, and this is yet, you know, I think it's worth ending on the word context because it is again a case of applying this stuff in 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 very much, you know, in context, and it's one of those things that that must always um, focus on. But people want to learn more about what you guys are up to. Uh, I mentioned before, Eric Helms um, uh, is part of your team. Um, soon to be Dr. Her Eric Helms, I imagine. He's got to be close to the end of his PhD now. So, you know, you got, you're all smart cookies. There's an impressive team there. Uh, just to shout out your uh, website, it's uh, 3D muscle, uh, 3dmusclejourney.com, which is three, uh, the letter D, muscle journey as it sounds, dot com. And um, people can learn more about you and what you guys are up to. And, of course, uh, you um, will be joining... Um, the uh, the range of folks speaking at the Epic Fitness Summit, which is occurring uh, next year, specifically, um, just getting the details here, in May, uh, May 15th to 17th, um, as part of the Body Power uh, Summit over here, sorry, Body Power Convention, and people can learn more about the Epic Summit at epic-summit.co.uk. Um, so thank you for your time, mate. It's been it's been great to have you on board and sharing some of your experiences as a, as a coach. I'm looking forward to hearing you speak uh, next year and, and uh, meeting you there. Um, and um, this concludes this podcast. And if you want to learn more about the We Do Science regular series of podcasts, just go to Guru Performance. dot com. I of course am Laurel Brannock. I look forward to bringing another podcast to you all. Uh, very soon.